The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. It is August 5th, Thursday. I'm Chris Towers here with Scott White. We're going to be breaking down all of Wednesday's news and action. We're going to be taking a look at some of the bullpen updates. We're going to Learn about some of the best prospects still left in the minors who might be getting called up soon. I've got a couple of questions I'm just wondering about. So I'm going to ask Scott about those. But uh, yeah, Scott, how's it going? How's your, your hump day been? It's How was your hump been, day? It's been fine. It's yeah. been fine. I guess it is technically over. We're recording after midnight again, and most people are listening on Thursday morning. So, yeah, I guess we can talk about Hump Day in the past tense. Finally. Am I right? We're, we're, on the, we're on the right side of the hump now. It's all downhill from here. Well, see, I'm off Fridays, so mm-hmm. Tuesday's my hump day, technically. Tomorrow, today's my Friday. It's great. It's the best. True. So That is true. Love that. Uh, mm. let's, uh, let's actually talk about some fantasy baseball. Let's talk about some Major League Baseball and... We'll start with some uh, what, what I think is the biggest news item of the day. Anthony Rendon's season is over. He will have season-ending hip surgery to repair a hip impingement. It's actually not one of the several, several injuries that he's missed time with so far this season, which included hamstring, knee, groin, and triceps. He is 32 years old. Anthony Rendon is. Still has a... Wow, he is? Wow. I believe so. Still has a few years. Still has like what five years left on that big contract with the uh, with the Angels? Yeah, he'll. Sorry, he will be thirty two next June. And uh, okay, struggled Still older through, than I thought. Struggled through a really rough season. Played in fifty eight games despite all the injuries. Hit two forty with a seven twelve OPS. What would you? Where would you be looking to draft Anthony Rendon heading into next season? <laughs> well, um, gosh. I'll probably have him as a top 10 third baseman, mm-hmm. but like the back end of that group. So probably it'll probably be squarely in the middle rounds. And, you know, I'll, I, I'll like him as a discount Yeah, at that cost. I'll, I'll probably have a lot of shares of him if that's where he ends up going. Uh, but I, I imagine there are going to be a lot of disenchanted, disillusioned people regarding Anthony Rendon next year. Yeah, I mean, he's got 
one, the combination of there's always been this perception, fair or I would say unfairly over the last uh, handful of years, that Rendon is injury prone. He hasn't really been that. Um, and the fact that he's old, he's coming off a bad season. He had ha- he had hit 307 with a 949 OPS in his previous four seasons, however. So it's worth keeping in mind that this season, which was just barely more than last season for him, uh, was his worst since 2015. On the other hand, he was in his 27 through 30 seasons, and it, it's not like it's unrealistic to think that a player peaked from age 27 to age 30. It's generally what you would expect. Um, so yeah, it, it seems likely Anthony Rendon's best days are behind him, but I still think he's likely to be a very good hitter next season. Mm-hmm. I can see a, a JD Martinez type bounce back for him next season. The play discipline was still very good. So that's the, the big news on Anthony Rendon. And now let's, uh, let's move on to a little, Oh my goodness gracious. I don't think either one of us will do the impersonation today. I think we've kind of played out that bit, but let's just talk about it and I'll start unless you want to start Scott. Go ahead. I will start with Randy Arozarena, who went two for four with a double and a triple in this one. So not the biggest game ever, but it is continuing a very, very hot streak for him. Uh, He is hitting 354 with 12 extra base hits in 16 games since the all-star break. Obviously, Randy Arozarena, we know from last season, at least based on last season, when he gets hot, he can get ridiculously, ridiculously hot. And that seems like what we're seeing right now. It's been a bit of a disappointing season, but this was the third straight multi-hit game in a row, the fifth out of the last six games for him. Um, yeah, Randy Rosarena seems to be turning it around. So good to see that. Um, you know, obviously... Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to be as hot as he was last season the rest of the way, but we know he can be an impact bat when he gets into it. So, you know, that's good to see that he's there at, uh, you know, pretty important part of the season. Wh- where do you have Randy Rosarena ranked right now? A pull up my rankings. I, th- I think he's right outside like the top 20, maybe five spots lower to points league than Roto. Mm-hmm. Not able to pull up my rankings very quickly. I'm getting the, I'm getting the spinny blue donut. Yeah, it seems like you might be having a bit of internet problems. Uh, so, hopefully that resolves itself. But yeah, um, you know he he was right around the top twenty in ADP. I, I don't know if he was quite inside of it, but he was right around there. Um, and I, you know, given the fact that he's got sixteen steals and ninety eight or sixteen homers in ninety eight games, eleven steals. Um, you know, he, he's certainly not proving that he was worth drafting as an elite player, but like what he's doing this season hasn't been all that different from what Trent Grisham's done, actually. And I feel like there's oh. been a bit more optimism about Grisham. Oh, Grisham got crushed in July. His numbers have <laughs> yeah. tanked. He's, he doesn't even have double digit home runs yet, right? I believe he has 11, only nine steals. Okay, so he's barely there. He's yeah. barely a ten ten guy at the two thirds mark of the season. That is, um, yeah, I mean, it's me a halfway part. I, I, I'm, halfway pretty, I'm pretty sure. Him. I'm pretty sure I've moved him behind Arozarena, possibly in both formats. Though okay. obviously, Arozarena is better suited for five by five play, and Grisham is better suited for points play because 
great disparity in plate discipline there. But uh, Grisham hasn't... Grisham's plate discipline hasn't been quite as good as you'd probably think this year Yeah, either. So... Yeah, I have him 30th and a Rosarena. Yeah, points rankings, I have a Rosarena two spots behind. I'm sure I'm sure Rosarena is ahead in 5x5. Five five. All right. What about your, oh my goodness gracious, player for Wednesday? Well, I was debating a couple here. I'm going to go with Luis Garcia, though. Not Luis Garcia, the Astros pitcher who didn't pitch. Luis Garcia, the Nationals middle infielder. Yep. 21-year-old. Uh, who got rushed to the majors as a 20-year-old last year, even though he was one of those prospects, you know, definitely well-regarded, but didn't hadn't really put up numbers yet. And he's so young. I mean, what do you expect? But he got called up last year anyway, actually exhausted his rookie eligibility, so he's not technically games. a prospect anymore. Uh, he hit, he had a two-homer game today, his second and third home runs of the season. Uh, and that is after a breakthrough year in the minors at AAA where the numbers finally did, if he finally did put up the numbers to back up the scouting reports at 303 with 13 homers and just 37 games, 970 OPS. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting that he hit two home runs. I do have to point out that the home runs traveled 356 feet and 371 feet. So these, <laughs> these are not the kind of home runs that would have left every venue. Uh, but certainly not tape measure shots. They still count as home runs. I mean, I guess anything would, every home run would be a tape measure shot. You know. Well, if we're bothering to measure it. Yeah, you need to, you need to break out the tape measure to measure it either way. Yeah, except you don't anymore because the stack cast. Well, sure. It's a stack not cast. Not that they ever did. Stack right? cast shot. Or I, I guess maybe they, they had one of those things with like a, a, tape, a little, a tape. one of those like wheels, you know? Yeah. Maybe they like they pre-measured distances, right? And they estimated based on. The I feel like it's all been fake. It's all been fake. It's, I it's feel like, like where the referee spots the ball in football. I feel like outfield wall distances are fake. <laughs> Maybe I'm exposing myself as a kook here, but I feel like it's all fake. You'll see a home run that barely clears the the wall in center field, and they'll say like, "Oh, it was 450 feet." It's like there's no way that field. Well, we that, should know what stack has that, now, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That the walls have been lying. Okay. That's that's my conspiracy theory for the day. I've never gone out and measured myself. Exactly. I can't verify. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, Luis Garcia. How? What type of league should he be rostered in right now? Got three home runs. A- in- any league where you're looking for upside. I mean, realistically, yeah. it's probably not going to be like a 12-team head-to-head league because there's just not that many roster spots to mm-hmm. mess around with that at this point. But. Yeah, probably any roto league you could take a flyer on his upside and and hope you could slot him in as your middle infielder at some point. He does only have one stolen base in 55 games between the majors and minors so far this season. He only had one stolen base last season and 40 in the majors too. Uh, He was pretty consistently in the, you know, low double digits in the three seasons before that, but, you know, was never super efficient. So that may not be part of his game, which you would hope for from a... You know, young middle infield prospect. I I would say his game is is going to be mostly the bat and mostly geared toward average, but with enough power that you know it, it really depends on the power output. How great he becomes if he's a perennial all star type or if he's just a solid regular. All right, I'm gonna 
I'm going to change things around here and get to uh, some of those questions that I was just wondering about before we get to the, the, the rest of the news for today and start breaking down performances because I think there's some interesting stuff in here. So, Scott, just wondering, <laughs> is this the best we've ever seen Luis Castillo pitch? He went six innings, allowed one run today, seven strikeouts, one walk, 12 whiffs. His overall ERA is down to 409, but obviously it's been a tale of two seasons for him. His first 11 games, 722 ERA, 19.3% strikeout rate. Remember, we were all chicken littles running around with our, our heads cut off or whatever the idiom is. Last 12, <laughs> including tonight, 191 ERA, 26.5% strikeout rate. Is this the best we've ever seen of Luis Castillo? What did you say that strikeout rate was again? 26.5%. It was higher last season. Oh, okay. I, I was I was hoping you were going to say the K per nine because he's just a little over a strikeout per inning during this 12-start stretch. Yeah. So, But that'll I happen when mean, you have a 191 ERA. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Um you know, his 2019 and 2020 seasons were very strong. Yeah. Very strong. So, uh, and between those two seasons, he had 10.9K per nine. Uh, and let's see. Do you have his whip during this stretch? I do not have his whip. I'm sorry, Scott. Come on, man. I did not what come prepared for I was the one answer asking questions. <laughs> so the reason I uh, ask, oh. the, the reason I want to get into this at the top of the show with Luis so Castillo is because... His slider, all of a sudden, has become a very, very effective pitch for him. It's always been, you know, a decent pitch, I suppose. But right now, um, I think in the month of July, his swing strike rate on the slider was like 57%. And he's been throwing his pitches about evenly. He's gone from, you know, maybe 10, 15% slider usage for most of his career to, you know, right around 25 to 30% uh, in the mm. month of July. And this start, he threw his slider uh, only 14% of the time, got two whiffs with it. The changeup did get six whiffs today on 28 pitches. But the slider uh, during his recent stretch has been actually his best swing and miss pitch. And, um, you know, I just wonder if maybe, you know, if you want to, try to come up with a narrative. Maybe there's a silver lining in those struggles. And he, uh, you know, was forced to kind of figure out his slider. Yeah, he threw it about 22% of the time in the month of July, which is the highest he's used it in a month since July of 2018. So just something to okay. keep in mind, just something to throw out there. 57% whiff rate. It's been his, I believe it's been his best whiff pitch this season as well so it just, now now this gets confusing because 57 whiffs uh you know usually the swinging strike number i cite on here is comes from fan graphs and i think yeah that 57 percent one is how is how uh is how uh, uh statcast measures it yes, or, this uh, is whiffs basically. per per swing yeah as yeah. opposed to just whiffs per per pitch, pitch yeah yeah so yeah but it's just something I noticed while looking at Luis Castillo earlier. I actually had somebody on Twitter ask if this was the best he's ever pitched, if he's gone from the worst we've ever seen to the best we've ever seen. I think you make a case that he's probably had better stretches than this one, but uh, the turnaround, you know, I think has him right back in the top 15 starting pitchers at this point. 
Um, I mean, I haven't moved him up there yet. Um, probably should. Probably should, Scott. Let me see if I, who I can talk myself into moving him past. Because, I mean, I obviously don't have any worries about Castillo. I'm 22nd right now. Um, could I move him into the top 15? Do you have Joe Musgrove ahead of him? No. Okay. I have Julio Arias ahead of him, Robbie Ray ahead of him, Jose Barrios ahead of him, Sandy Alcantara ahead of him. I'm fine moving him ahead of all those. Trevor Rogers, Freddie Peralta, yeah. Shane Bieber. Moving him past Shane Bieber would get him to 15. And I could do that. I could not do that or I could do that. I could, it's, there you go. It, it's, you uh, did it. <laughs> he's, he's in that 15 to 20 range, I, I would twisted say. your arm. Uh, just wondering, Scott. Are we just... Do we just underrate Bryce Harper now? Because I feel like he might not have made your top 24 uh, redraft for the 2022 season when we did it most recently. Uh, when, we, when we had the podcast, yeah, I'd left him out. but He went 3-5 for five on Wednesday night. He's hitting 306 this season. Best since yeah. his, uh, I believe it's best since the season after his MVP season. And he's on pace for 30 homers and 21 steals. This is two seasons in a row now, obviously partial season last year, where Bryce Harper has had an OPS in the high 900s, uh, was 967 coming into this game, 962 last season. I feel like he might just be underrated. Well, it depends on who you ask, probably. Uh, I was intentionally trying to downplay him at the time. I was put off by a miserable May where he was in and out of the lineup. Yeah, the shoulder uh, injury obviously, was Since then, he's obviously been great. And after we had that conversation on the podcast, I went and looked at the numbers again and, and ended up putting him in the column. Uh, so, so if you go look, you'll, you'll see he's, I don't know when that was, June or something. You'll see he's actually in there. I projected my, my first two rounds for the rest of the season. I did get Bryce Harper in there after all, in part because I had to move a certain someone out. <laughs> needed to needed yeah. to needed somebody else to take his place. I went with Harper. The one weird thing about Bryce Harper's season so far, or really the last two seasons, uh, you look at what he's done over 2020 and twenty twenty one. One hundred forty four games, so almost a full season. One hundred runs, thirty homers, twenty steals, two eighty nine average. That's all excellent. That's um, you know I think borderline first round stuff. Only seventy two RBI. And he's primarily, he actually hasn't hit higher than third this season. So it's not a situation where he just, you know, he's batting second and just isn't getting that many opportunities because it's an NL team. He just uh, hasn't had a lot of RBI. I don't know what to make of that, but my guess is it's nothing. And he'll be fine. I mean, you hit 300 with a 967 OPS and you bat third you should get a lot of RBI. So that's one thing that's holding him back, maybe. If you look at just like raw fantasy scoring or fantasy points, maybe he doesn't rank as high as he probably should be, but I would guess moving forward he will have more RBI than he has so far. That's one yeah. one take. Just wondering, Scott, does Casey Mize need to be rostered right now? He's 80% rostered. Pitched tonight against Boston, gave up four earned runs in five innings. He's thrown more than five innings just once in six starts mm -hmm. since the start of July, obviously. 
You know, we know his innings are going to be limited moving forward. It's not just a yeah. question of is 80% too high, because I think that's unquestionably true. But in a 12-team league, does Casey Mize need to be on rosters? I would probably add him if somebody dropped him. I'd rather have him than like Taiwan Walker, for instance, who I think is right on the fringes there in mixed leagues. It We have a really um, good grasp of what the plan is for Mize's innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of the Tigers, one of the Detroit newspapers, uh, outlined it pretty clearly with comments from AJ Hinch, where basically after the All Star break or right around the All Star break, they were going to have him just pitch three or four innings at a time, and then after a period of that, they were going to extend him back out to a normal workload. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, maybe at some point they'll pull it back again. They'll just see how it's going. But his previous start, he went seven innings. Yeah. No earn runs. That was against the Orioles. Obviously, Red Sox in Wednesday's game here, opposite end of the spectrum, and he didn't fare as well. But he did go over five innings, so it, it does seem like he's back in a ramp-up period. And he was been a quality start machine this year, other than that stretch when, for most of July, when they weren't letting him pitch that deep into games. But it's just he's not that good. Well... Like I can, I'd, I could see a case for like his, his, he's got a K rate below twenty percent. That's brutal. That's bad at this point mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. Walk mm-hmm. rate's pretty good this season. You could make a case for well, maybe he's just going to be the kind of guy who limits hard contact and he'll just be better. But he's got a three forty ERA and a four eighty one x ERA. Yeah, I just I'm skeptical. Yeah. But he's also Casey Mize, and he was a number one overall pick, and he's still kept getting hyped as this awesome pitching prospect, even when he wasn't striking out that many guys in the minors. Yeah. So, I'm just kind of like I don't I don't hold it hold him in high regard or anything. If if somebody wanted to make an offer for him, you know, it's not like I'd be like, oh no, you can't take my Casey Mize. But, um. I'm also I'm also willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of consistency and because of pedigree. I am not. Scott, I'm just Fair wondering. Enough. Just wondering. Don't have to answer if you don't want to. Just wondering aloud here. Would you drop Cody Ballinger in a 12-team league? Maybe not a five-outfielder league, but... Three outfielder league, yeah. He hit eight tonight for the Dodgers. He's been uh, hitting seventh recently as well. There have just been very few, if any, signs that he's going to turn this around. Um, went one for three tonight. He's got a 168 batting average, 558 OPS. Um, underlying numbers, I mean, his he is underperforming his ex-WOBA, but his ex-WOBA is only 280. So that doesn't really help. Mm-hmm. It's it's just rough. I, I don't, you know, we've talked about him a little bit recently, but it's just, I don't think you need to roster him in a 12-team league. Certainly yeah, not even I, in, I'm really curious to see how the playing time plays out once yeah. Trey Turner is on board. I mean, um, he's clearly been their worst everyday player this season. It's not and AJ even pa- close. And Chris Taylor's been amazing. Yep. AJ Pollock lately has been amazing. He had another home run today. today. Yeah. Right. I mean, th- it, w- it would be one of Bellinger and, and 
Pollock being removed from, from the lineup, presumably. And I don't think Bellinger's playing time would go down to zero. I don't really see that scenario yeah. playing out. But I, I mean, the Dodgers at- are obviously trying to win, and the rehabilitating Bellinger is beginning to come into conflict, con- conflict with that goal. And uh, I suspect the goal of winning is going to take priority. By the way, I'm also curious to see. Mookie Betts started his third straight game. At second, yeah. At second base here on Hit two home Wednesday. Runs. Mm-hmm. Um, are we sure that he doesn't just... Are we sure he's the one who goes back to the outfield when Trey Turner comes back? Or does Trey Turner himself go to the outfield? Because it's... The reason Betts is playing second base as opposed to Chris Taylor, for mm-hmm. instance. Chris Taylor obviously has more experience in the infield. He's been continuing to play the outfield while Betts has played second base. Is because Betts coming back from this hip injury, they think... They think it's going to spare his hip having to not move around as much at second base. I, I don't get it. Um, I don't, I don't, the Dodgers are a really smart organization and I'm sure they've got amazing medical staff. Second base isn't a position that's exactly known for players aging gracefully. Uh, I, I don't quite under, like, I'm sure that that's, They've got some reason to believe that that will be the case. And if they keep Mookie Betts there, it seems weird to me. It does. I agree. But that is that is what they have said. And I don't know. It, it's not. They didn't say we're going to keep Mookie Betts here for the rest of the season. But they said that's why he's playing there now. Yeah. So. And Trey Turner does have a little experience in the outfield. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, there I'm, was. I'm, I'm open to the idea of Betts getting second base eligibility for for this year. I mean, he's only two appearances away, but maybe even for next year, maybe there was a season where Trey Turner did not have shortstop eligibility. I believe it was the 2017 season. He did not start out the season with shortstop eligibility. He only had second and outfield. So there you go. Um, yeah, I I think, I mean, kind of best case scenario for fantasy, if we're just going to be selfish about it from our perspective is, Mookie Betts plays the next two games at second base, and then Trey Turner comes back on Friday, or, or I guess it would be Saturday, and plays five games at second base, and then who cares as long as they're in the lineup every day and they're both second base eligible. I want them both to get 20 for next year. They both yeah. come in with second base eligibility. That Let's would, do it. That would be kind of hard. Um, that would be Dave Roberts managing to CBS eligibility requirements. That was that's what that would be. Kind of like would, managers managing for the save, you know. I kind of forgot that it was twenty. I'll be honest, because <laughs> it, it wasn't last year, so it just oh. I, yeah. All right, no, that's uh, I, I like where your head's at, Scott. I'm not sure that's going to be the case, however. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to injuries, news, and notes uh, before we take a quick break and get to the bullpens and prospects and all that good stuff. The Dodgers, speaking of, signed Cole Hamels to a $1 million contract with $200,000 bonuses for each start. Wouldn't it be just a real jerk move to just use an opener every time he pitched? But mm-hmm. uh, it does sound like they expect him to be a part of their rotation. He's been working out at the team's complex in Arizona. And do you have any expectations for Cole Hamels at this point in his career? I mean, it's been... Uh, no. It's been a while since he was a useful fantasy option. No, I mean, the the only thing I really take away from this for at least standard play mm-hmm. in fantasy is that uh, I don't know. I don't know what it says about 
Clayton Kershaw's timeline. Or I mean, Tony Gonsolin. We got we got news on that today too. Yeah, yeah. They've said he's in idle mode. Yeah, Gonsolin which, and Kershaw are both in idle mode, which means yeah. they're not throwing. <laughs> yeah, and you can't come back from an injury as a pitcher if you're not throwing. And I would guess for either of them, you're looking at minimum three weeks before they can come back if once they start throwing. And the longer they're not throwing, the longer that timetable for them coming back gets. Hmm. Three weeks? They, neither's been out that long. Right? Uh, Gonsolin's only been out a few days, but Kershaw, we're going on like a couple of weeks now. I guess it's not that long, but, you know, it's starting to get there. Yeah. Every in any day case, is a day longer. In any case, I'm not, I'm not so confident and, and obviously, we're more worried about Kershaw here than Gonsolin. But I'm not so confident how much he's going to contribute the rest of the way, which isn't like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to drop Kershaw based yeah. on them saying he's in idle mode. I mean, because what does that really mean? But it does, it does raise some doubts. I agree. Uh, Nick Castellanos could make his return from the IL Thursday. He'll hit in batting practice before the game to make that determination. He's coming back from that microfracture in his wrist, so hopefully he's okay when he comes back. Kyle Schwarber ran the bases and could be headed out on his rehab assignment in the next couple of days, so that's a good sign. Uh, you know, He's with the Red Sox, remember? Jack mm-hmm. Flaherty will make his third and hopefully final rehab start Friday at AAA Memphis, so he could be back next week. Would you be starting him if he returns next week? I mean, probably, unless I just was loaded with pitching. Top 15 starting pitcher right off the bat, top 20? I I don't know that I'll move him quite that high the day he comes back. I might want to see a start or two first, but obviously he has that kind of potential. Yeah, he was actually, I mean, his results were pretty good, but he was not really pitching all that well. Uh, it had, it had gotten injured. better. He, yeah. he kind of he got off to, uh, you know, where are all the whiffs kind of start, start to the year, but they, they picked up as the season went on. Yeah, he had a 290 ERA, but a 474 X ERA, so... Worth keeping in mind in those 11 starts. A couple of guys came back from the COVID IL after very brief scares. Chaz Chisholm was back in the Marlins lineup today after testing negative yesterday. Matt Barnes also back on the Red Sox active roster and got the save today. So that was good to see. Anthony Descafani was placed on the IL with shoulder fatigue, but he's only expected to miss one turn through the rotation for the Giants. That's a good sign. Mike Yastrzemski was scratched with hamstring tightness today. Yuli Gurriel was remained out of the lineup with the neck injury. Matt Harvey left his start with a knee injury. Uh, seemed like he tweaked the knee in the third, tried to pitch through it, and had to come out in the fourth. Uh, Jimmy Nelson was placed on the 10-day IL with right elbow inflammation. Tommy Listella was activated from the IL. Here's an interesting one. Nate Pearson threw a sim game. We'll have one more simulated game before a rehab assignment. Is he someone you're looking to stash? Uh, not really. I, I mean, how, how realistic is it that he gets stretched out yeah. to be relevant in fantasy? And he hasn't really had a good start in the majors yet. I don't think Yeah, maybe he's had an okay start here and there, but mostly bad. Yep. Joaquin Soria was placed on the IL with a finger injury. Uh, Dane Dunning with an ankle injury, hopefully for a minimum stay was placed on the IL. Ryan Presley back from the paternity leave paternity leave list the Rays announced that Tyler Glass now's Tommy John surgery was a success 
Um, now, obviously, then it comes down to the rehabilitation process before we can really say it's a success. David Dahl was released. Andrew Benintendi was out of the lineup, but wasn't placed on the IL, which seems like a good sign given that he, you know, suffered what looked to be a pretty painful shoulder injury yesterday. Um, Eric Lauer placed on the COVID IL. And Colin McHugh threw a 21-pitch bullpen session. He could be working his way back. Uh, he's been really good out of the bullpen for the, the Rays, right? I just yep. completely He's been off. their best reliever this year. Yes, he has. And maybe that'll mean he'll get one safe opportunity when he comes back. <laughs> they're doing Ray's stuff again. Uh, we'll uh. talk about that right after this break when we talk about a bullpen report. We'll be back in a little while, or in a few seconds, really. I don't know why I said in a little while. In a few seconds on Fantasy Baseball Today. Stick with us. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. See, I told you, we're back. It was a little while, I guess. Uh, let's talk about a bullpen report. Uh, Scott, your, your piece went up on CBS Fantasy on Wednesday, just looking at some of the uh, unsettled bullpens coming out of the trade deadline and whether we've seen any settling on them. Let's go team by team, and we'll start off with the highest profile on the Chicago White Sox. Um, do you think this is settled at this point? I don't think it's settled, yeah. but I think what we know is that Craig Kimbrell is not just going to be the closer, at least not right away, because yeah. so far he's been used like a set of men. It's been two appearances, uh, and there's been no saves since yeah. since he came over. But there was a day when he worked the eighth in a tie game and Hendricks worked the ninth in a tie game. So my my suspicion is that Tony Larusa, obviously Hendricks hasn't done anything to lose the job, so he doesn't deserve to lose the job, and that's going to be the stance. All but, right. Oh, maybe they'll go back and forth. I, we just need to see more. Yep, yep. It's kind of in, incomplete right now, but I think definitely Liam Hendricks should be considered the the heavy favorite at this point for the most saves in the cup in the White Sox bullpen. Uh, in Seattle, you've got Diego Castillo ahead of Paul Seawald, and you've got Drew Steckenrider as the next man up after that. How confident are you in that? In like Castillo holding on, not confident at all. Yeah. I'd, if I made a play for for uh, uh, I'm forgetting Seawald's name, Paul Seawald. Paul Seawald. Uh, if I made a play for him when Kevin Kendall Graveman got traded, particularly if we're talking a categories league of any depth, I'm holding on to him because Castillo's not as good as Graveman, and and Seawald was already beginning to intrude on Graveman's save opportunities. Uh, Castillo did bounce back from a blown save. His first chance for the Mariners got a save and a second chance, but Seawald's better. Seawald's one of, been one of the best relievers in baseball this year, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful he ends up getting like a fifty percent share of the saves rest of the way, if not more. Let's move over to Toronto, where Jordan Romano uh, gave up two home runs. I don't think that was a save situation for him today, was it? Nope. Yeah. Nope. So he worked the ninth inning, gave up two home runs. You've got him ahead of Brad Hand, but how confident are you in that? Mm-hmm. One? I'm pretty confident in that. Um, 
I think there was one day when I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down, but basically there was a, there was a day where hand basically set up for, for Romano. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it may, I think it may have gone to extra innings or something. It wasn't a totally conventional situation, but, but yeah. um, And plus hand is kind of melting down (laughs) at the moment. He's had trouble missing bats all year. Mm -hmm. His ERA is approaching four. Now all of a sudden It, it began with the, with the Nationals, and he hasn't been that great with the Blue Jays either. So I, I can't totally rule out that if it just happens to line up with the matchups, you know, hand-throwing lefty while Romano throws righty, if it just happens to work out that it makes sense to use Romano earlier as the right-hander, that hand won't get a single save. But I think Romano's the heavy favorite to hold on to that role. Makes sense. Philadelphia, I feel pretty confident that's Ian Kennedy as long as he, you know, Pitches well. He gave up two 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 run home runs in his first two outings with Philadelphia. But you know, if it's not him, there's a reason the Phillies traded for Ian Kennedy because their bullpen has really been. Oh yeah, a bit. They of a certainly mess. want it to be him. Yeah. So uh, it's just, I, I he what he did with the Rangers isn't enough to convince me he has yeah. it on total lockdown. Like he's not going to implode at some point. But as long uh, as he doesn't. As long as he doesn't. The ball's right. in his court. Right. To use right. an analogy. And I'm not sure, like, if it happens, if he implodes soon enough that Ranger Suarez doesn't get stretched out fully, I'm not putting it past him to just move Suarez back to the role, even though now he's since moved to the rotation. So, um, if you're really deep into stashing for saves, that's just another reason to hang on to Suarez. I think he should anyway, because I think he might be a pretty good starting pitcher. All right, let's move over to Washington. Kyle Finnegan seems to be the guy there. Is there uh, anyone there who's even worth speculating on? Not really. I mean, I don't think Kyle Finnegan's that good, but he's by far the best that they have left. Tanner Rainey just got sent back yeah, to the he minors. And he he looked like the closer and waiting heading into this season, but he's just he's had injuries and has just been terrible. So, yep. you know. That would be my, that would be uh, the second choice to Finnegan, I think. And and that's, you know, he's not even in the majors. Right not now. on the roster. So, yeah. Right. Uh, for the Marlins, Dylan Floro looks like the closer. Uh, Anthony Bender is, you know, kind of the setup man right now. It seems like they just moved everyone up a spot. I think yeah. we wanted Anthony Bender to be the closer. He's a better pitcher than Dylan Floro, but Dylan Floro is not bad mm-hmm. himself. Um, he's just not it's, as exciting as Anthony Bender. Floro is like a Brandon Kinsler type of closer, who, of course, Don Mattingly seemed to enjoy last year. Yep. I mean, Brandon Kinsler's totally fallen off the map this year. He's with the Phillies now and has been terrible. But, you know, he had a he had a lengthy history as just kind of a steady three ERA guy. And uh, they made it work with him as the closer last year. So I think they'll stick with Floro, but it's it's possible that, you know, all, all it takes is, you know, two or three bad appearances in a row and they're rethinking it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with any of the ones that we're talking about here, really. Obviously, I think except for Chicago, but even there with Craig Kimbrell behind Liam Hendricks, the leash may not be that long. But with mm-hmm. all of these guys, you're talking about unproven closers for the most part who, you know, won't have particularly long leashes. You know, it could be. We could be right back here next week, and three of these situations have already changed hands. Um, Texas, you think Spencer Patton's the guy? 
Yeah, since they traded Kennedy, they've used him as a traditional closer. He blew one save, he converted another. He's been kind of falling apart. I mean, he only showed up in June, and, and the numbers are have been good, but he's mm-hmm. a 33-year-old nobody that, you know... I, I'm not super optimistic he's really as good as his numbers have been so mm-hmm. far, just given his history. And they got a younger guy who's come up even more recently, Joe Barlow, 25 years old, stepped into the setup role vacated by Patton, and he's the one getting all the strikeouts now. So that's somebody to keep an eye on, Joe Barlow, if you're if you're speculating. Arizona, do you think it's just Tyler Clippert as long as he stays healthy? Mm-hmm. They don't have anyone else. And he's a pretty good reliever. So I, I actually, he might have as much job security as anyone on this list that we've gone over. Uh, I, I might put, well, obviously Hendricks is going to have value one way or another, Liam mm-hmm. Hendricks. Probably put Jordan Romano ahead of Clippard in terms of how much I want him. And I guess Diego Castillo too. And I guess Ian Kennedy also. But, but yeah, I mean, Clippard's not losing the job. It's so he's just right a question there in the middle. How many. It's just a question of how many save chances the Diamondbacks give him. Sure, and that's been an issue for them this season. Pittsburgh, do you feel any amount of confidence in David Bednar versus Chris Stratton? No, not really. The first chance they had to use Bednar after trading Richard Rodriguez, they used him in the eighth, mm-hmm. and he blew the lead, and Stratton came in in the ninth. But the last time they had to use Bednar... It was another non-save chance, but Stratton worked the eighth, Bedner worked the ninth. And so I'm hopeful it's Bedner. He's better. Bedner. He, was, he was the eighth inning guy before Rodriguez got traded. I'm hoping it's Bedner. Chicago, you had Dylan Maples as the top guy, but you also had five, four names listed. Dil- Dylan Maples, Manuel Rodriguez, Cody he- Heyer, Hewer, uh, and Kyle Ryan. Rodriguez got yeah. the save Wednesday. You think yep. he's at the top of the list? I mean, he would they, have to be now. I they mean, used this him was in the, the ninth uh, in a non-save situation recently. This was the most speculative one, and Kyle Ryan had already gotten a save since yeah. Kimbrell got traded, but he's just there's yeah. no reason to think he's any good. Uh, Maples had the best numbers. He should be back soon from the IL. He throws very hard. So I was, I was guessing he might be the choice, and maybe he still will. He's not back from the I.L. yet. But Manuel Rodriguez, who just got called up, also throws very hard. Yes. Uh, 99 with his fastball. Um, and he got a save. So maybe they're all ready to groom him for that role. 24 years old. Very little experience, obviously, which is why I didn't think they'd push him to close right away. But he's obviously the leading contender now after getting a save on Wednesday. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some of Wednesday's bullpen notes before we move on. Mark Melanson blew his fifth save of the season. No real worries there. Devin Williams got his first save with uh, Josh Hader on the COVID IL. He could be, you know, in line to get you two to four saves over the next week. So, you know, that'd be a nice little bonus if you've had Devin mm-hmm. Williams in your lineup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He got off to a little bit of a rough start after breaking out last season, but. Uh, he's really settled in and been very good for, for most of this season. Uh, Michael Lorenzen got a five-out save for the Reds. This is one day after uh, Heath Hembry blew another save. So what do you think the chances are that Michael Lorenzen's the closer for the Reds? Yeah, I mean, you've been, ta- you've been talking up this possibility yeah. 
for a while. Lorenzen went right back on the IL after he came back from a lengthy absence, went right back on with a hamstring injury. So that kind of got, kind of put that off for a while. But, uh, you know, my thought then, is he, he's the only one who hasn't failed yet. Right. True. And Heath Hembry has fallen apart since Lorenzen's initial return. So oh, I would say Lorenzen's the front runner now. I mean, what does that mean? to be the front runner for the Reds for saves hasn't meant much this year, but yeah, he hasn't failed yet. And I, I will say like Lucas Sims, I, I think before he got hurt, he was pitching pretty well in that role. Yeah. He had he gave up three runs on three hits in his last appearance before going on the IL. But before that uh, he had 11 straight scoreless appearances. He got six saves in that stretch and he has, uh, on a rehab assignment now coming back from an elbow injury. So another name to keep in mind, Lucas Sims, you know, if he comes back and he looks good, he could be the closer and maybe it's just Lorenzen for a, a little while. Uh, the Rays doing Rays things. Matt Whistler got the last save for the Rays, I believe over the weekend. He worked the seventh and eighth today. And Ryan Sheriff, there, there is a new sheriff in town for the Tampa Bay Rays. Gotta make right. that pun when he comes up. So, so the lead for my bullpen report, I kind of broke down the whole race situation because it's just like, I don't even really know who to speculate on. But I named three guys who could maybe be getting saves until everyone else got healthy because they got a ton of guys, a ton of bullpen guys on the IL right now. I did not mention Ryan Sheriff among the probably eight names of Rays relievers I put out there. So. They yep, typical to, typical race. To be fair, Whistler got a save on Sunday. Before that, they hadn't had a save since July 22nd. That was Diego Castillo, who's no longer on the roster. Before that, it was July 7, July 18th, and that was Peter Fairbanks, um, who is on the IL right now. So, you know, hard to know what to make of that in general. Um, yeah. Edwin Diaz was placed on the paternity leave list. Trevor May got a save tonight. So that was actually nice for me because I had to start him in one league. Um, so hooray for falling backwards into saves. And this was a weird note. The Cardinals are considering using Jordan Hicks as a starter in 2022. Uh, it's been a while. He did come up as a starter. He's had uh, obviously a lot of injury issues, including he's on the IL right now. Um, but that was uh, that was an interesting one that I saw. They're they're at least considering it to open next season. So it would be kind of weird if Anthony or Alex Reyes stayed in the bullpen and Jordan Hicks became a starter. But mm-hmm. I guess it wouldn't be Adam Wainwright made that uh, had that in his career, right? He went he was a starter as a prospect, closed for a little while early on, and then yeah. got moved back. Uh, well, he was a closer might during the playoff myself. run. Yeah, I might be dating myself by about 13 years there, but yeah. Because whoever their actual closer was during the season was hurt for the playoff run, so they used Wainwright. I, I mean, David Price kind of came up that way. It looks like Michael Kopech is coming Chris up that Sale. way. Not as a closer, but as a short, a late-inning, high-leverage reliever. So it's 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 not uncommon for for teams to break in pitchers this way. Uh, and, and I thought that was the plan for Alex Reyes, actually. But yeah. maybe they've come to like him so much in the ninth inning that they're just planning to keep him there. I don't know. All right. Uh, let's talk about some prospects. Scott, this is uh, 
This is kind of your territory, but I will point out a couple of notes that I saw today. One, giant shortstop prospect Marco Luciano was promoted to high A. He was hitting 278 with a 373 OBP, 556 slug uh, at low A this season. He's 19 years old. He is one of the top prospects in baseball. And um, just something to keep in mind, I would guess he starts at double A next season. And once you're at double A, you're always a, a good couple of months away from getting the call potentially. Um, one guy who probably won't get the call at least to start next season is Red Sox first baseman Tristan Casas, who uh, Alex Cora was asked whether he could see him playing first base for the Red Sox to open the 2021 season. He is currently uh, playing in the Olympics, I mm-hmm. believe. He homered in three straight games in the yeah, Olympics. hit a walk-off in his most recent game, I think, right? Something like that. Uh, but he did not. He said he does not see Tristan Casas as an option for at least the start of the 2021 season. He was having an okay season at Double A. I think he was in like the high 700s range. But he'll probably go to Triple A next season and have to prove himself. But again, could be a good three weeks away from getting called up at the start of next season. So he'll be something people are someone people are potentially stashing. Uh, Scott, let's uh, let's talk about some prospects. Who are uh, who are the prospects you're writing about this week? Who are the top five to stash? Okay, so the top five to stash. The selection is we're really we're really having to stretch things. Getting this a little stage thin. of the season. Yeah. Um, how motivated am I to stash any of these guys? In a typical league, probably just the one at the top, Bobby Witt. Mm-hmm. Who even him? I mean, there's no guarantee he gets called up. The Royals aren't playing for anything. They tend to be pretty aggressive about promoting their prospects. He's moved up to AAA after and continues you know, to just, hit really well. Yeah, continues to hit well after destroying double A. So he's he's making his case. It's just a question of how 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 the Royals are gonna play it. But if there's any organization that would call him up at this point despite being out of contention, it would probably be them. So he would be the number one choice to stash. I, I really like Jose Miranda the more I look at him mm-hmm. of the twins. They didn't end up trading Josh Donaldson, but he's I believe he's twenty four four years old and he's not such a high-end prospect that you would imagine them playing service time games with him but his numbers have just been ridiculous ridiculous hitting around 350 uh with plenty of power i mean he looks like albert Pujols between double and triple a this year the strikeout rate is very low he has not hit below 319 or fewer than six home runs in any month this season. Yeah, he's been awesome. He's been awesome, and it just... Is he quite 24? No, he's 23. But it, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if they called him up to give him a look uh, heading into the offseason, especially since he's... Even AAA, he's... he's, been, he's his numbers are better at AAA. He's yep. been in 354. The 10.69 Edward, OPS. Edward Cabrera. Marlins. Uh, for the Marlins. Yeah, I suspect they're going to have some innings to fill down the stretch, and he still has plenty left in the tank after missing a lot of this season with injury. Uh, he's recently moved up to AAA, and the results have been mixed. The walks have gone up. His latest start was interesting. Four and two-thirds innings, four walks, 12 strikeouts, yeah, 25 swinging strikes. So the stuff has definitely been there. Is he... You know, if he keeps walking guys like this at AAA, they they might they might decide to hold him out till next year. But uh, of of every starting pitcher left, I would say he's my 
Edward Cabrera. Edward Cabrera has the best chance of making an impact. And then rounding out the list here, I mean, Vidal Brujan's back in it. So, I mean, that goes to show you how interested are you really, are you in stashing Vidal Brujan really? He's hitting well since going back down to AAA. I think he's hitting over 300, but no home runs. Yeah, he has hit well, well over 300. He's been... 350, um, something like that, yeah. Yeah. um, But the power's basically been gone since May. Yep. That that's beginning to look like an aberration, but you know, 80 grade speed is, is the main skill he brought to the table. Good plate discipline. Even if he gets called up, will it be for an everyday role? I, I suspect there will have to be some kind of injury for that to happen. Yeah. So um, I'm not super enthusiastic about stashing him. Makes sense. And then rounding out the list, we now have a pronunciation for the Dodgers catcher prospect traded to the nationals. It's Kiber Ruiz. Not Kiebert or Kybert or Kbert as we were calling him. Kiber Ruiz, now of the Nationals, has a, had a power breakthrough in the minors this year, always had amazing contact skills. And I don't think he'll need long at AAA before he takes over behind the plate for the big club. So that's my list. Those are the five to stash right now. All right. Is there, there anybody, some- anybody else you want to talk about? That was uh, Bobby Witt, Jose Miranda, Edward Cabrera, Vidal Brujan, and Kiberod Ruiz. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mark Mark Vientos of the Mets. V i e n t o s. He has had a breakthrough season. He's up to twenty homers, or is it twenty? It might be over twenty, but he's had seventeen. I know since the start of June, and has always put produced good exit velocities. So it, it seems like he's figured out how to tap into that raw skill, turned it into power, third base prospect for the Mets. Uh, So he's becoming more interesting. Let's see. Uh, I mean, most of these guys are pretty, you know, not that close to contributing. I'll, I'll let you check out the column. I know we got a lot of stuff from right, tonight's action to, to get to still. Go to cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball and check that out on Thursday. Let's get to uh, the rest of Wednesday night's action. And let's talk about some good pitchers and just see if there's anything here that jumps out that you want to talk about. Frankie Montas, six innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, zero walks, 28% splitter usage. We talked about him a little bit yesterday, how that splitter usage has gone up. He's pitching much better uh, lately. Joe Musgrove um, has really turned his kind of up and down season around. He was really great in April and his ERA had basically climbed in every month before a recent run, but he allowed one earned run in six innings, five strikeouts, three walks. He has got a 254 ERA, 29 strikeouts, nine walks and 28 and a third over his last five innings. I'd like to see him pitching a little deeper into games. Freddie Peralta threw 98 pitches today, struck out nine, allowed two earned runs, two walks, and six innings. Uh, he he has only had one start so far where he was limited in pitches, right? Like truly limited? Yeah, he had that four-inning start where he allowed just one hit, and yet they took him out. Two six-inning starts since then. Yep. So, so maybe he's still it's looking a, like... Yeah, maybe it's a one-on, three-off, or three-on, one-off kind of situation. We'll see. Probably just keep him in your lineup. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani, one earned run, six strikeouts, six innings pitch. He's down to a 293 RA. 
not really much to say about him. He has really fixed the control issues that he had early in the season. Um, Lucas Giolito, he had been really good in his previous four starts before today, allowed five earned runs, 27 strikeouts with eight walks over his previous four starts. Today, he allowed five earned runs with two strikeouts and four innings against KC, his ERA. It's actually in the high threes. At some point, do you see Lucas Giolito turning it around fully? Uh, I haven't been that worried about Lucas Giolito. I understand the ERA is higher than we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. But still gets a lot of quality starts, still gets a lot of strikeouts. I don't I don't think anything's wrong with him necessarily. I, I, I you know, he he may not be quite that uber ace that justified the second round pick yeah. this year. That's what I'm but, thinking. But, you know, a, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, something like that. He's not far off from that. And uh, Max Scherzer just continues to pitch well in his uh, Dodgers debut. Seven innings, five hits, two runs, one walk, ten strikeouts. He's really, really good. Are these next six pitchers good? That's the question, Scott. We'll start with Zach Gallen. Uh, actually cruised through five innings against San Francisco and then uh, was hit for two earned runs in the sixth. Finished with three earned runs in five and two-thirds, six strikeouts, three walks, four hits. Zach Gallen good right now. I don't know what to make of Zach Gallen. Obviously, when you miss time with ligament damage, right? He had ligament yeah. damage in his elbow. Um it didn't seem like they were seriously considering the possibility of Tommy John surgery, but certainly that comes to mind and yeah. just has been inconsistent since coming back. His swinging strikes are not there. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even when he's gotten good results at times, like single digit singing, swinging strike outings. And I'm not totally convinced he's healthy. I'm not. He just doesn't look the same. He doesn't look right. That's fair. So I'm worried. What about Logan Gilbert? Uh, he has you know, pitched much better since a slow start, but lately kind of flagging. He gave up three earned runs in five innings tonight against Tampa Bay, walked four. Uh, control was actually a bit of an issue for him early on, but it hasn't been lately. Uh, six strikeouts. He's under six inning pitched in four straight starts, but he still has 26 strikeouts to eight walks in that span. Where are you at on Logan Gilbert? I mean, these are growing pains, I assume. I, I think overall been pretty impressed by his rookie season maybe though this four these four straight non-quality starts after that seven inning gym against the yankees it's a reminder that you know he's not quite to the point where we should think of him as must start or anything just kind of still a matchups play to start week kind of play but you know i think i think he he'll have i think he will have other good starts this year sure uh, Jameson Tyone, very good start today. 10 strikeouts. It was his most strikeouts, I believe, since June of 2018. Six and one third, two earned runs against Baltimore. 18 whiffs on 90 pitches. I've been skeptical of his apparent turnaround lately, but I mean, it's really, it's two big strikeout games. He had one with nine, now one with 10. Between that, strikeouts hadn't really been there, but yeah. Are you buying into Jameson Tyone? Well, you know, I've been optimistic. Yeah for reasons that are kind of hard to explain. I guess I guess what I was hoping cuz he he was getting a lot of whiffs early in the season especially on the fastball and he you know 
kind of remade his delivery um, in a way that was supposed to ma- maximize the impact of the fastball. And it, it seemed to be happening, even though the results weren't good. And then he had that June where he had what, or July, I should say, where he had that 117 ERA or something, but without a lot of missed bats. You know, it was largely BABIP driven. I just wondered if he could bring that all together, I sure. guess, is what I was hopeful of. And this first start here in August it would seem to be evidence of that. It is only one start. It was one start against the Orioles at that. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean much. But I, I take it as, in in combination with the rest of his season, I take it as encouraging and I I can't really picture myself dropping Jamison Tyone right now. Uh, I, I think I would want to, I think I'd want to hold on to him. See where this goes. That's fair. Rank these three pitchers for the rest of the season. Carlos Carrasco, who gave up two runs and four and a third today on 62 pitches. Eduardo Rodriguez, who struck out 10 and five shutout against the Tigers and John Gray, who had a quality start three earned runs in six innings. How would you rank those three rest of season? I would rank them Carrasco first. No reason to be disappointed in what he's done so far. Followed by Gray, John Gray and Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez. I should say the full name since Rodriguez is a common name. So that's how I'd rank them. But I think they should all be rostered. Yeah. I might have Rodriguez at the top, actually. He's He he has been the one of the biggest over... Underachievers. Sorry. Underachievers in terms of XFIP this yep. year. Yep. And it seemed like for a while he was coming around, living up to the XFIP, and then he kind of crashed again. But, you know, obviously a good start this time. All right. There were a lot of pretty uninteresting pitchers who filled out today's schedule. It was not the best day for starting pitching. Uh, but I do want to highlight Stephen Matz had a good start against Cleveland, eight strikeouts, six shutout innings. You know, he'd been bad before that, but he'll always always give us some flashes. And then I know you've really liked Zach Thompson, but he's only pitched 18.2 innings over the last four. That's two-thirds. Uh, 12 mm-hmm. strikeouts, nine walks in that span. He gave up two earned runs, only two strikeouts, two walks, and four innings against the Mets today. Um, I think he's pretty droppable. Yeah, I would agree. I it seems like the pixie dust is worn off here, and he couldn't really understand where it was coming from in the first place. Yeah. Didn't have had a pretty uninspiring minor league track record and 27 years old at the time of his call-up. But yeah, the 12 strikeouts and 18 and two-thirds innings over his past four starts. Yeah. I mean, I, I was excited because he was missing bats early on, and he's not anymore. No, he's not yet. All right, let's talk about some hitters before we get out of here. Carter Keyboom is having a little putting a little bit of the boom back in Carter Keyboom. He's got two home runs in his last seven games, uh, nine for 23 in that stretch after going two for four with a home run here. He was a top prospect, but he had been you know, pretty disastrous in three previous stints in the majors, really, before getting called up recently after the deadline, or right before the deadline. Um, worth adding in 12-team Roto Leagues just to see? I don't think so. I was checking out the minor league numbers mm-hmm. and other than the plate discipline being good, there wasn't a lot of, I, I didn't see a lot of reason for optimism that Carter Kiboom had 
figure things out, gotten back on track, is about to live up to the prospect pedigree. If it, if it was if I was deciding between Luis Garcia and Carter Kiboom, for instance, it wouldn't be much of a decision. I'd just go after Garcia. All right, let's talk about Oscar Mercado, who uh, went four for five with a home run today. They're certainly in the past. He's given us reasons to be excited. Not so much this season. Uh, before today's four for five game, he had four hits in his previous eight games. He's pretty much playing every day for the, for Cleveland, but you know, you you need him to start hitting. Uh, there's a little bit of a power speed combination. He could be over the course of a full season, maybe a 15, 25 guy if he played every day. But, uh, you know, right now, just on a watch list, we talked about with Merrifield being disappointing, uh, recently he went three for five with an RBI today. So that was good to see Brendan Rogers three for four. He's a podcast favorite. So it was good to see that. And mm-hmm. I think he's so close. He's so uh, yeah. his overall numbers with this 10 game hitting streak he has going on and has included four home runs. I think, mm-hmm. Uh, it has the season numbers looking pretty strong, just yeah. as they are. But I, I think he's, yes. I think he's so close to just like Boom. taking off, yeah. like a rocket ship. And here's a guy I, I always like. I liked him really a lot as a prospect, as a sleeper heading into 2019 when he was with the Padres. Edward Olivares, he had a homer his second in three games since getting recalled for Kansas City. He has been crushing it in the, in the AAA this year: 322, 395 OBP. 572 OPS with 13 homers and 12 stolen bases in about 50 games. Royals do not seem to believe in him. They have (laughs) called him up and sent him down about three or four times this year, but he's playing somewhat regularly lately and he's performing. So I would love to see him just play every day the rest of the season because I think he, you know, could be a 2020 guy. He reminds me a little bit of like Josh Rojas where he was getting some hype around circles of the fantasy community, but just never got a chance. And, uh, you know, Rojas was pretty good before getting hurt this season. So Edward Olivares, if you're in a uh, definitely any deeper Roto leagues, someone worth having on your radar. And that's it. That's it for Thursday's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, week 20. Are we week 20? That sounds right. I think it's week 20. Week 20 previews might be the start of the playoffs in some of your leagues. I know in some of my head-to-head points leagues, it is. So uh, that's exciting stuff. We are at the most exciting, important part of the season uh, if you're trying to make the playoffs in a head-to-head points league. So keep listening to Fantasy Baseball today, and we'll be back on Friday. See you. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.